0: You are listening to Live Feisty Media's If We Were Riding. I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Kelly O'Mara. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Hi and welcome to the newest podcast from Live Feisty Media. It's called If We Were Riding, and I'm Sarah Gross, and my co-host is Kelly O'Mara. Kelly just finished her first year as a pro triathlete, and she's writer, journalist, reporter. Kelly, what designation do you prefer?
1: What do, what do you do? That's yeah. what I always at this pool. <laughs> what do you actually do? What do you actually do? And I always, I used to tell them, "Living my best life." I'm living my best life. FYI.
0: give us something that has a meaning. that's a meaning
1: what am i doing usually i go with i am a triathlete and reporter fyi that's what i do okay but i feel i also wanted to clarify i always feel the need to be very clear that i actually did race pro in the past this is not totally my first year Mm. i just sucked in the past and it was a long time ago right out of college
0: so okay that sounds like a story for another day maybe yes (laughs) Awesome. And like, basically, when when I think of you, you're kind of this, you're successful, you're, you know, you live in San Francisco, you went to a prestigious university, you're a journalist, a professional athlete, like it kind of, for lack of better words, like stinks of privilege, but that's not really your story, is it?
1: No, I owe like $600 in student loans every month. So <laughs> that's awesome too yeah it's interesting sometimes i was like drinking wine and eating cheese for dinner one night and i was like wow i think i've just become a cliche with my cats in my like condo outside san francisco but it i don't it took a long time to get there i guess right but aren't you from like inner city chicago no i'm not i mean come on yeah i was born in kentucky grew up in chicago like we did not have a ton of money you know growing up that is that is all true facts um there and then I just wanted to come out to California for school and it's kind of you know changed a little since then.
0: Yeah, and here you are.
1: And here we are. Here you are. Here you're I in am. Victoria. You're a you're a former pro triathlete, Media Mogul. <laughs> media Mogul. I like that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess um yeah, I retired officially about a year ago from being a pro triathlete and um I while I was a pro triathlete I really was affected by how, by the media, I guess, because I dealt with the media a lot when we tried to push for equal opportunity for the female pros in Kona. Uh, and then I dealt with a lot of reporters like yourself. Um, oh man, reporters, they're terrible. They're the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I did some writing at that time and. I really felt like I wanted to go in a direction of media and I worked with Wisp Sports for a little while. Uh, They cover a lot of different women's sports and I got some experience and then I decided it was a really smart idea to start my own media company. So here we are with Live Feisty and this podcast is our second podcast produced by my new company.
1: Right. We, we've we done a podcast before, though, which is why we wanted to bring it back.
0: We have. Yeah. And I like I missed you. You know, I missed our exactly. weekly talks and you inform me of all kinds of interesting stuff and you give me links to read and and I like it. And so I think that's the kind of stuff we'll share with our audience. Right. Like you started a newsletter called If We Were Writing. That's right. That's why began. we decided to
1: go with the same
0: the same name,
1: because we have kind of the same idea, because like the newsletter, the idea was there just isn't a ton of triathlon media that I love. I actually think triathlete magazine has gotten pretty good in the last like year or two, but there isn't a ton of triathlon media out there for us. I feel like there's a lot for beginners, a lot of like six weeks to your first triathlon. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of like internet forums where you can just like your mind explodes trying to read. Uh, But there isn't really a lot in between. Right. Um, So I feel like that's kind of what we're trying to do. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. In between. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So what kind of stuff will we talk about on the podcast moving forward? Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. <laughs> Duh. Because we're super interesting. Of course. <laughs> of course, it only works on the assumption that people are interested in the stuff we're interested in. So,
1: I think the assumption is it's the kind of stuff you would talk about if you were writing, right? Ooh. If we were writing, huh? Uh, it would be like the gossip and the solving little world problems type of ride not that we ever have actually ridden ever together together literally i don't even ride my bike anymore no but i mean we haven't even talked really in the last couple weeks yeah, months exactly you haven't even i didn't even really talk to you after kona cuz i was like busy wallowing about my own races and wasn't talking to anybody so you have to tell me about kona
0: kona okay well it was it was crazy first of all well first of all cuz ashley and i were there doing live videos with a lot of the female pros and we ended up doing i don't know almost 40 videos and 35 of them are interviews so i just felt like a headless chicken but also kona is very how do i put this lightly like kona is so busy now like it is not surprising that two people came out of that week like critically injured that's what everyone, because I wasn't
1: there this year and I've only ever gone last year. And I was like, oh my God, this is a shit show. And, but then everyone this year was texting me that it seemed even worse, that it was like more crowded, more cars,
0: more craziness. Like, I, is there an end to this? Like, is there. I think they're going to stuff as many people in as they can. I, you know, I went back and looked because I was curious, because in 2014. We were told we couldn't have equal slots for the female pros because they didn't have room on the pier for the 15 extra bikes. And I had a look and since 2014, they've added 268 people to the race. So the race went from about 2100 to 24 something. Um, which is, It used to be like seventeen or 1800 even. Yeah, even a couple years before that, I remember it being, them saying they were, they had moved it up from 1700, which it was for so, so long, up to 1800. I forget what year that was, but it was like 2012, maybe 2013. So it's grown by about 500 in say about five years. And I feel the other thing that's come with
1: that, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, is the number of people that are just hanging out now. There are so, like, so many people that go just to, like, watch, just to schmooze, just to hang out that aren't even racing, and that adds to all of the craziness.
0: Yeah, exactly. We got there 12 days before, and I thought that was plenty early And everybody was already there, basically. Like it was ridiculous to go there to go to Kona and have and not be surrounded by triathletes. You basically have to go three weeks out because even two weeks before, there's everybody was there. Not just the pros; there were age groupers there for two weeks before the race, getting ready.
1: Okay, I can't hate on that too much because I was there for like a month last year, and I was (laughs) basic age group, but I was house sitting. It's fine. Don't worry (laughs) about it.
0: I kept saying It actually was
1: super interesting over the month because you went from, like, the locals who were really excited that, like, I was the only person on, like, a tri-bike in the town I was living in to then, you know, just more and more. then by the time of the race, like, the locals were like, get out of here. I mean, I got my car, like, graffitied. You did? You
0: got your car graffitied?
1: Yeah, but it's, like, 60-year-old guy who might have been stoned, but that's fine.
0: You knew who did it? (laughs) Yeah, because... Alyssa, who hosts
1: Iron Women, came in and was like, Kelly, I think your car's gotten graffitied. And I went out, and this guy started yelling at me about to don't fucking do that again. And I was like, park on the road that is public parking? Like, don't do what again? Mm-hmm. And I think he was stoked.
0: Yeah, so. I think that – and I, and you can feel it, right? The hostilities between the locals and the athletes. Like, by the time it hits race day, it's just not surprising that there's accidents happening. I. Yeah, I, did, I don't know how many more people they can add, but we'll see what happens in 2018. And uh, th- this year, too, it was interesting, like the weather, or the weather is always a thing in Kona, right? But the day before the race, there was this big storm. And then the st- when you have a storm there, there's a lot of runoff water and all That's of that true
1: water. In all beaches, FYI.
0: That's true in all beaches everywhere, yes. And so then you, like all of that water gets dumped into the ocean, I'm just saying this for people who don't live near the ocean. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and the locals will, like, refuse to swim because they might get sick. But then we had the Ironman World Championships <laughs> happening. Um, and so there were a lot of people in the race who were affected by that. Like, if you look at the DNF rate, um, I oh, talked to – Yeah, we talked to quite a few people. Michelle Vesterby was affected by it afterwards. Astrid Steinen. Um, some people finished the race, but not as well as they wanted to. Some people puked and – Had to quit or puked and kept going. You know, there were a lot of those types of stories this year. I mean, I think also people throw up always at Kona, right? I throw up a lot at Kona. It happens. It happens. It
1: happens. The best advice I was given going into the race was don't get sunburned and don't drink the seawater. So there you go. That's good advice. I should have just taken that advice. Yeah,
0: That's that's good advice. Why did they drink the ocean? Duh. God, Duh. Um, and the other funny thing that happened to me is that um I was at Bob Babbitt's party it's called thank god I'm not racing and it's the night before the race and Ferris Al-Sultan who is a previous champion there but also used to be my training partner back in the day he I bumped into him and I didn't realize this but he's he coaches Patrick Lange right and is that how you say his name? I think so I could be wrong i just making a fool of myself but I'm pretty pretty sure it's that <laughs> this is how Ferris says it, we'll That's go with how it. Ferris, we're just gonna roll with it and so I'm talking to Ferris I'm like oh well you know what are your guys chances for tomorrow and he's giving me his whole spiel about well he's not that fit and I think fifth is probably his best bet and he really seemed a little bit like deflated <laughs> by Patrick's chances and then the next day the guy goes out and wins the race so that kind of made me laugh and you don't think he was trying to like
1: Whatever the word is, like the white man can't jump trick you into thinking that he
0: was gonna do bad. I I don't know well, first of all I don't know what's to be gained by me thinking that he's going to be do bad. <laughs> I'm like, who was I gonna tell this to You're a media mogul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Like, seven hours before the race start. Um, but the other thing is that I just know Ferris well enough to know that he's just, like, he's just not that guy. He's not, like, mind games guy. He's just, like, he tells it like it is or what he thinks, and it just is what it is. He's pretty um, straightforward that way. So I think that he, that Patrick had an unexpected win. The other thing, I mean, we were talking
1: about this recently because you give me a lot of advice when we have our weekly talks but we haven't had them and so like last week you were telling me about how to get sponsors right because this is like the time of year annual tradition of getting rejected by companies as you go and ask for sponsorship that's right but it didn't always used to be that way apparently this is what you're telling me
0: yes it's it's getting harder I mean I've had in the last week I've had someone who's a multiple Ironman champion tell me that they reach out to companies and they get offered like a 50 percent discount code it's like, thanks for applying. And i it's just a different world. I don't even really know why. Like, what kind of response do you get when, you, when you're when reaching out for sponsors?
1: Well, I am terrible, and I don't really reach out to people. And, um, But, I mean, I've actually gotten some, like, we'll think about it, we'll get back to you, we're making our decisions, which I felt very optimistic about, and, like, I'm amazing. I do know, though, that a lot of places are moving away from prof- – Promoting professional athletes specifically like if you have other reasons that they want to like if you're also an influencer or like have a big following they might be interested in you but they are they kind of felt like they weren't getting their money from professional athletes and they moved towards amateur teams I know that's like really much happened in the last few years Mm -hmm. because there was this sense that like amateurs would deliver more. I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, that that has, like, peaked and we're, like, over it now. I'm so over every age group athlete having, like, 10 sponsors and, like, pushing their 10% they get off on their, like, wheels. And so they're, like, you know, trying to convince every friend of theirs that those wheels are amazing. You know, like, we're all over it. I'm not the only one who's over that, right? We're all yeah, over it. Yeah,
0: no, we're, we're over it. And I, I think, too, as a company, it, it has to be said that a company – should have space for all of those things like there's a way to give a free pair of wheels to an amateur athlete who has good social media reach but also support a pro like those can be different things so if if i was in charge <laughs> i mean back the if day- i was in charge things would be very different <laughs>
1: fyi i like- think there's also though like a misunderstanding about how sponsorships work like people because of the internet, people want to be able to like track everything now. They want like, oh, this number of sales came in from this link that we gave to this athlete. Right. But like advertise, sponsorship is really just advertising and advertising doesn't work that way. Advertising works in impressions, in yes. like general feelings. Advertising works that I'm at the store and I think like, oh, I feel like I've heard a lot of good things about these shoes. And like, why did I hear a lot of good things about them? Because like all my friends are sponsored by them and I, you know – And it's like this vague sense I have that that's the shoe I want, which is dumb and I should be smarter. But that's how advertising works, right?
0: Right. And I have heard from um, someone inside the industry too that there has been a shift within this particular company that I was talking to where they went the route hardcore of like, discount codes and basically putting instead of putting money into advertising and impressions like you say trying to get people to be basically turning your advertisers into salespeople, you know and tracking exactly the code and who sells what but that actually this company realized that it was basically they'd hit like a critical point with that and how at some point everyone just has a discount code and then where do you go from there
1: there are that's true because I've wondered how some of these companies that like no one pays retail for are going to make money. Like what is their long term plan? You can only loss leaders so much stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think we're at this point where things are shifting in sponsorship and how we treat um advertising and sponsors and making money. I hope ultimately it's like shifting back to the glory days. Like, right? You you, you used to be on actual contracts with like actual yes. cash. Yes. Yeah.
0: So I had I mean I was I think of it now and 15 years ago this is this would never happen well maybe it would but it it rarely happens now I came second in Ironman in Australia and a company Zoot Sports they were my longtime sponsor in my career they reached out to me <laughs> and were like hey and I came second like I didn't even win right <laughs> like and they reached out to me and they're like hey do you have you know do you have a clothing sponsor and a shoe sponsor and I'm like nope and so (laughs) and so basically that first year they sent me she sent me this box of stuff it was just a box of stuff and i was just over the moon to like get free stuff um but that eventually you know turned into more free stuff which then turned into one of my paychecks to be a pro athlete and and that whole process took like it took a few years i guess that that would be my advice if I was going nice. to hand out advice to people, is that when companies say yes, like no matter what the level is of sponsorship, like to say yes, start working with a company and prove to them the ways that you can have value for them, whatever that is, right?
1: Right, right.
0: I feel like the other thing I've heard, and this is something I very much have tried to follow,
1: maybe like it's a luxury for me, it's like I've only gone after and asked for companies that I actually like already use and like and whatever because I don't feel like it's worth it for me Mm -hmm. at this point to be like I want a 50% discount on something I don't even like like that's not it's not worth it I like can just buy my own shoes you know like I don't care enough about that
0: yeah Uh, and I do the same I did the same in my career I do the same now when I'm looking for podcast advertisers like we look for companies that are that we can partnership in a way that's real You know, like all the sponsors we have on the Iron Women podcast, we actually use those products and we like so that we can talk about those things in a genuine way. And I think that's like that's what a real partnership is. Right.
1: Which obviously is what everyone always says. I know. I know. But But I think people know people know like what Mm -hmm. what you really eat and what you say you eat. Mm -hmm. We all know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. So what was the, uh, there was one more thing that you wanted to tell me about the other day uh, we, that you were like all worked up
0: about. Oh, the Pinarello ad? Yes. The Pinarello. I mean, I think a lot of people saw this already, but um, the Pinarello ad. Let me just read it in case anyone didn't like see picture. it. It was like a picture on Instagram, right? Yes. So it, it was part of a series of ads for Pinarello. And they're launching, I guess, a uh, what, what do you call it? A motorized bike, right? Am I right? An
1: electric bike i feel like electric bikes are in motorized bikes or not right oh,
0: okay electric bike
1: <laughs> just fyi because i almost bought an electric bike really drunk a couple of weeks ago and it turns <laughs> out they're very expensive they're like four thousand dollars so they're oh, very hot right now okay fyi
0: okay <laughs> so they're launching electric bikes <laughs> did <laughs> i get it right okay yeah. <laughs> okay and they launched a few different instances of types of riders that might ride these bikes and one of them there's a picture of a young woman here and it says I've always wanted to go cycling with my boyfriend but it seemed impossible soon everything will become possible the countdown has just started link in bio well see and like statistically like empirically
1: maybe she really did have trouble keeping up with her boyfriend and now she has this electric motor and she can see why why do you hate women riding
0: sarah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think that like a lot of the reason that people had problems with this was that it it made this assumption that a woman wasn't going to be able to keep up with her boyfriend while riding and that she somehow needed uh, an electric bike to do so. Um, and a lot of people took exception to this and they had to, the company had to apologize. I mean, we've talked about this before and I do feel
1: like kind of bad. I mean, not this specific topic, this specific case, but this topic before, like companies trying to advertise to women and women who are more statistically frequently beginners, right? And I do feel bad kind of bad when they like look at their numbers and they're like well like women like want to be able to ride with their partners but they can't keep up like we're going to solve that problem like and they think like oh this makes sense like empirically logically it makes sense but it's like in the tone right it's not that like that isn't true like i am a fairly decent rider, and my husband is a lot faster than me and there are times where if we had like a slight assist like it would be easier to match rides like that is a true statement but They clearly like didn't have a woman on their advertising staff or someone would have been like, hey, yo, this reads bad.
0: Right. It's in the messaging because it's Mm -hmm. the same in triathlon. And I know you and I have talked about this before that when you, you know, in triathlon, we're always like, how do we get more women? How do we get more women? And then if part of the answer has to be that we have to empower people to want to do the sport. Right. And that to actually turn around and look at women and go, oh, well women are beginners first of all that assumption is not really like woman does not equal beginner so like take that off but even if a bigger percentage of beginners are women right we still need to make sure that we're empowering people to participate in the ways that make sense for them and not really treat people in any way that is condescending or to treat people like beginners does that make sense
1: yeah it's tough I get I get I get why people feel I mean Obviously, this could be solved by, like, hire more women, right? Like, what is the uh... – there was the other company I was telling you about, the cycling website, Pez Cycling, that had a gallery of, like, podium girls, beautiful women. They called it daily distractions, and it was, like, women in cycling. And they recently started to take it down, allegedly because Victoria Tires, like, to- like, the guy told them, you know, the reason we don't advertise with you is because this really – this is, like, bullshit, and this doesn't really fit with our, like – women's team we promote and they do a, like this doesn't fit with the women we know this is like it doesn't match our branding so they started to take it down but my favorite part of this was the guy who owns the pez cycling website was like well we've never had any feedback or negative feedback about it i mean the one woman who did write for us quit because she thought it was a problem but other than that we've never had any <laughs> negative
0: feedback i love it the one woman who wrote for us it.
1: hmm so i feel like the same thing right like is not that what was the company? Pitarello is like bad or something. But maybe if they had, they're like, well, we didn't get any negative feedback on this. Like maybe if they had more women involved, they might like,
0: right. No. Yeah. I think that's the main problem with the ad is it exposes a cultural climate in their company (laughs) in which there's actually nobody there that that ad has gone through who's been able to say, wait a second, this is going to come off as sexist. And that sort of shows that, yeah, there there can't. I mean, there maybe there was a woman who agreed on that ad. I don't know for sure. Um, but it definitely exposes something about what's going on in their company's culture,
1: right. right. I mean, obviously, if there's like one woman in a boardroom, like that's a whole nother set of problems with all kinds of, industries. so know.
0: And we're going to talk about all these kinds of problems in the coming weeks, aren't we? We're going to
1: solve them. We're going to fix them. Just like let everyone know we are going to fix sexism. It's fine.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> while you're riding your bike, you can listen to Kelly and I fix sexism, um, or you can find her newsletter at ifwewereriding.com. All the issues, all the stuff. Follow us on social media and find the latest episode of If We Were Riding at if we were riding.com. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time you better get ready to race the duty to do this. show you what the truth is. I step on the field. it's time to get real. I'm feeling so this. If we were riding time. is a live None feisty me media me production and is hosted by myself, Sarah Gross, and Kelly O'Mara We want to thank our producer, Helen Rossiter and our awesome editor, Aaron Hamilton. If you want to get a hold of us to tell us how awesome we are, or to send us some constructive criticism, or to tell us how much you love our music, just fire us an email at ifweweriding@gmail.com. the lights down, hand over my crown, over my heart, I do this for my town. I do this for my So Kelly, before we go, I wanted to tell you that. I read this morning a sad fact that NBC Sports covers more animals than it does women athletes. So like horses, dogs, fish.
1: Right. But I mean, in all fairness, the fish are probably being covered, being killed. They're not
0: covering (laughs) like live fish. So at least at least the female athletes aren't dying. Right. There you go.